Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There are so many creative ways to incorporate the creamy goodness of yogurt into your next meal. Here's a few of my favorite super simple recipes. Try layering the velvet smoothie yogurt between crunchy granola and fruit. This definitely makes for one of my favorite delicious sweet breakfast parfaits and it's super simple to build. Mixing whatever fruit you happen to have in your house in with thick yogurt into a smoothie can also add a lovely creamy texture that does keep you very full. It's also a really clever way to add a natural sweet flavor without any excess sugar. And of course, this is something a lot of my clients forget is that you can put yogurt in the freezer. It does not affect its nutrition at all. So get some molds, mix in fresh fruit and start making fun alternatives to packaged ice creams which will be just wonderful for those sunny days ahead. Consider Yo Valley's super thick canned natural yogurt. It's high in protein, lower in sugar, and available in 5% and 0% fat. To find out more, head to yovalley.co.uk and find it in your local supermarket. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rihanna Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, a simple way to eat well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'm so lucky to be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with the trusted expert advice. Anxiety is that feeling of unease, worry or fear. And I think most people have experienced how terrifying both the physical and mental symptoms can be. Issues like debilitating headaches, shortness of breath, can make even the simplest daily tasks feel like an impossible undertaking. And even acute instances of anxiety, if you think of your job or financial stress, these can lead to the same symptoms and feelings. Thankfully, though, there are ways that we can treat and manage the issue. This week's Food for Thought with psychotherapist Anna Matha and I explore how we can reframe our anxieties and change the nature of your mental health to be positive. Hello, Anna. Hi, thank you for having me. 
Absolute pleasure. Um, we're remotely recording again today because of coronavirus. And actually, I think the topic of this podcast could not be more aptly timed. Um, because I think even for those people who in general are fortunate enough to have a safe and secure home environment, uh, do you think it's key for everyone to be more aware of their mental health at the moment? Oh my goodness, I think more so than ever. And actually, I think now our diaries aren't quite so packed. The way that we've been thinking all along has kind of made itself a bit clearer. So where we might have been struggling or had ways of thinking that weren't particularly helpful for us, the fact that our lives just aren't quite so jam-packed, it's making it a bit more evident. So it's like things are coming up for us to be able to address them, which can feel a bit confusing or challenging but it can can also be really positive to take this chance to explore that a bit more I think you're right and I think it's one of the first times that a lot of people have had time to be with their own thoughts and and like you said quite rightly usually I think we're running around from from A to B and we're all very busy and of course that may not have changed for lots of people but being at peace with your thoughts is difficult and perhaps we could start by um explaining exactly what anxiety is yeah do you know what I I hear so many people say oh I don't I don't have anxiety or I don't oh they say I don't have mental health I'm like well we all have we all have mental health just as we have physical health and anxiety regardless of what is written on our medical records it's not a bad thing anxiety is genuinely there to save our lives. It's a nervous system response that kicks into action. And do you know what I I remembered the other day? My mother-in-law, her anxiety, her nervous system response once saved my life. We were crossing a road. Yeah. And it it just shows that this is, this can be a really, anxiety can be a really positive thing. We were crossing a road and I looked to the left and suddenly this arm threw across my chest and pushed me back. And what had happened is the bus literally went centimetres from my face. And I wasn't expecting a bus to come from that direction. But what happened in her body in that moment, she perceived a risk, a threat, and her body was filled with adrenaline and she was moved to act really quickly. And genuinely, that anxiety response, that physiological stress response saved my life. So it's not, anxiety is there to to look after us but often what happens is that many of the threats in our life they're not physical they're perceived and they're in our minds so we end up having this kind of really life impacting sometimes or even if it's just a buzz like white noise in the background it's it it impacts our life and it takes up headspace so anxiety in and of itself isn't bad it's just when we become hyper vigilant in day-to-day life it's exhausting it takes up headspace unnecessarily and there are things we can do to address it well that's so fascinating even the way you just described it being like a white noise in the background like something that's just underlying in there like you said that we may not even know I mean are there some people that are more susceptible to it or is is there a certain trend I think 
yes, some of us are more susceptible to it. And it might be that there has been a time in our life where the worst thing has happened. So for example, in my life, we experienced loss. Um, my sister, we, we lost my sister when she was six, mm-hmm. nearly seven. So in the back of my mind, anxiety is often around bad things happening. And when we have gone through a really challenging or tough time, we can't do that thing of reassuring ourselves that positive mental attitude of oh it will be fine don't worry about it the worst thing won't happen it will never happen you'll be okay but when we have lived through something that actually is one of those worst case scenarios is one of those bad things we that that kind of that positive mental attitude that little inner coach loses just strength a little bit and power so we have to find other ways to find reassurance in the uncertainty of life and the fact that hard things and bad things and challenging things and tough things do happen how do we find peace and enjoyment and laughter and all of those other emotions amidst it all gosh you've been through so much and just hearing you say of course grief is like you say I suppose it's looking at it as nature and nurture combined will um, di- dictate who is more susceptible, I suppose, to to anxiety because of experiences. And of course, I don't know if there are neurological um, links uh, within us to it. But are, is there something because we are, of course, unique? But are there some better practices to help with managing it when it's oh, Yeah, so many. So there are kind of understanding what anxiety is in itself is really helpful and understanding exactly the process that happens. I I did loads of kind of pre-labor birthing classes, whatever you want to call them, hypnobirthing. Yeah, yeah. And I, do you know what? Just just having the process of birth and and exactly what happen, happens in my body and what the different hormones do and the the, the adrenaline and the, the kind of the cortisol and the syntocin, just having that knowledge and that insight took some of the fear away from it. And I think it's the same with anxiety is if we really understand what is happening in us when we feel anxious, what those anxious thoughts are actually trying to achieve, because often it's just a grapple for that sense of control. So anxiety likes to tell us that, you know, if you go through every possible worst case scenario in your mind before it might actually happen, then should it happen, Mm. you will feel in control. Those emotions might not feel so painful. You know, you'll be able to look back and say, well, haha, I knew this was going to happen. I've got my whole plan laid out. But actually, Mm. we know full well that sometimes no matter, for example, using the using my sister no matter how much we might have imagined what that situation would feel like to lose her it didn't change it when it happened it was still a lot to go through it was still you know challenging and sad and any anxiety would have just robbed from our ability to enjoy things and that's what it does it tells us that it's giving us control but it's just a big con it's actually just it's taking away and I think that's why it's so important to understand what anxiety is and how it benefits us in some ways and how it robs us in other ways is that allows us to not fear fear yeah knowledge is power isn't it completely yeah yeah definitely and and it takes a bit of soul searching sometimes to to realize what those fears are for us and what those triggers are for us and it's really worthwhile to explore that 
And when you say exploring this um, further, it's obviously a lot deeper, perhaps, than somebody just saying, well, go and move a bit more or, you know, exercise will make you happy or get a bit more you time. Um, Is it something that someone would need to go and get therapy for to understand what their triggers are, perhaps? Or is there a way of doing it alone? I think starting to re- starting to recognize and even journal. So the first step would be that, you know, just think when I feel anxious, what are my fears? Because I like to see anxiety as a bit of an umbrella. So I don't know if you ever at, at, in chemistry at school, mm-hmm. um, I remember our chemistry teacher holding up this crystal and like you imagine a beam of white light going in and then a rainbow yeah. hits the wall. Yeah. Yes. And I think if if we can start looking at anxiety like that, we see this one dimensional, it's a feeling, it feels a bit scary, we might feel panicky, we feel like our brain is in a this whirlwind of what if, what if, what if. But actually, if we start asking ourselves, what is it? What are those colours behind it? You know, what what is, if I can't use the word anxiety, but I'm asking myself, what am I feeling? You know, is it fear? Is it is it anger? Is it fear of loss? Is it fear of being unwell? You know, what is what is that anxiety to me? Is it is it fear of bad things happening, or is it fear of not being good enough? Because perfectionism is such a trigger for anxiety. You know, is it the fear of the unknown? What actually can I pinpoint? What this anxiety is coming from in this instance, and then we can start to see themes, and that's just really that's really helpful to identify. It's so interesting. I think um, on a totally different topic, but we um, in the Retuition Clinic, we often have to do similar kind of exercises, umbrella bases, where we think, what is actually affecting you? Are you able to make a behavior change right now? Because you've got all these other factors going on. And I think without writing it down, sometimes you just you just get on with it and you push it to one side. It's so easy to just bury things underneath and not address that they're actually affecting you I mean I mean do you ever recommend um focusing on I don't know training the brain or meditating to be able to focus and then write things down yeah meditating gives space doesn't it and I think even in in our busy lives and even actually in lockdown in this time where there is more space we still find ways to fill it and I like to think of this, imagine a big glass jar and you've got the big, these big kind of smooth pebbles from the beach and you've put them in there. And those are like the big main things in your life. Like it might be family, work, friendships, you know, those, those big things that take up mo- most time. And normally you'd have space around it. There would be air around it to, to feel, to think, to process, to dream, to daydream, to rest. But actually what we've done in our modern lives is we've got a bag of sand and we've just poured it into this jar and it's filled up all of that space around the main thing. So it might be scrolling. It might be just constantly having to have music and noise on. It might be you know, needing to just watch Netflix in any kind of spare moment. And there's a place for all of these things. But I think our modern day life is just so overstimulated that we are, we've taken out all the space. You know, no, I know we're not all on the trains much at the moment. But if you think about how many people are on their phones, and and only years ago, people would have just been gazing out the window, just daydreaming. (laughs) And we and that and that really has such value. And I think meditation is a way of 
putting space back into our lives. And it can be a challenge for people because for many people, so many emotions have been brushed under the metaphorical carpet with busyness that when we actually create stillness and space, it's like, oh my goodness, what the heck am I going to be bombarded with? What feelings are going to arise? This is really uncomfortable. But, But it's, you know, it's meditation encourages us to just trust feelings and let them come and let them pass which is what feelings naturally do but they can't do that when we sweep sweep them under the carpet they just come out sideways and meltdowns and panic and you know sniping at the husband because he hasn't really done anything wrong but I'm just grumpy I can totally relate and when you said everyone's on their phones I think um in everyday life it was like that before lockdown but perhaps even more so now and you're right it's a constant distraction from actually focusing on those innate thoughts. And like you said, meditation gives you the space. So for someone starting, they should journal, perhaps we've said, and then try meditating. I know there's lots of apps people can recommend out there as well. But what what about if a negative thought comes in? And we've had um, one of our guests before refer to them as ants so I think that stands for automatic thoughts yeah the little ants in your brain I mean what do you do when something not so nice does come to the surface I think first of all it's it's important to realize that these these are little flags and if we're we're recognizing an increase in intrusive thoughts or anxious thoughts it's saying that you know there's stuff there there's fear or there's emotion there that needs to be processed that perhaps we've been brushing under the carpet but validating them, just noting them, just letting them be, recognizing them, maybe naming them. And I think that's what journaling does. It's a way of validating your thoughts. They might not always make sense. Some of them might be really in opposition to each other. They might really contradict each other, but we can feel many things at the same time. I think when we try and put parameters around our emotions and we're like, well, I can't feel sad because I've got good things going on in my life, or Mm. I shouldn't feel angry because I love that person. And then we start telling ourselves how we should feel instead of just letting them be and letting them pass like waves or like labor contractions to draw Mm -hmm. that parallel. And I think just validating them. And there's a lot of emotional invalidation going on at the minute. There's a, and I noticed this at the beginning of all of this time of change and lockdown was that I was feeling overwhelmed and I was feeling sad and maybe angry at lots of different things. And I, I'd say to myself, oh, I shouldn't feel like this because I'm not working on the front line or yeah. I've not got a family member in hospital with COVID. And and what I was doing was just using comparison, which we often find ourselves doing when we're scrolling, but I was like I'm doing it with emotions. Mm-hmm. So what we do when we do that is we invalidate emotion and we say, well, we don't deserve to feel this. We don't deserve to feel sad. We don't deserve to feel overwhelmed because so-and-so has it harder. Someone will always have it harder. You know, if we play that game, then who is ever allowed to feel anything apart from the one person in the world who's at like the top of the pyramid and has it the, the absolute hardest? We don't do it with happiness, do we? Well, I shouldn't feel happy because so-and-so has it better. Oh, the shoulds. I think we spend most of our life beating ourselves up. And it's so sad in a way as well, because I think we're creatures as well that need a bit of physical contact. And in a strange time like this, like when you mentioned your sister earlier, if I was in the studio with you, I'd be able to just give you a different kind of look or hug you, you know, that kind of 
emotional settling but when you're sat by yourself and you're internalizing those ants those shoulds it can just become a downward spiral and how do you move on from that then how do you move on from the should what what have you been doing to motivate yourself to think well I'm I'm allowed to feel like this yeah I someone said to me right at the beginning they were like well you're someone else's broken foot doesn't make your stub toe hurt any less and I was like oh my goodness that's so true isn't it a feeling is a feeling mm-hmm. it is it is what it is and when we invalidate it then we just feel guilt and shame for feeling that way and we shame ourselves and then when we shame ourselves we don't process it properly and our emotional you know our internal critical dialogue gets a bit crueler and then it just all it turns into that spiral and I think it's just thinking I feel sad or I feel overwhelmed and just doing that itself, jotting it down, it's a way of respecting that emotion. But we cannot control the thoughts that come into our head. We cannot control those ants that scuttle along. So what, you know, what do we do with them? And one of my favorite techniques, and I think this is not, you'll never find this in any psychological textbook, but it's called, it's, well, I've called it the Mottman theory. And um, it came from a very strange and creative part of my brain, but I find it so useful. So imagine that on a Friday night, you're sitting down, you've had a full on week, you know, the baby's asleep and you've got your, you've got your fill on your plate of dinner and a drink that you like and then the doorbell goes and you get up and you think oh for goodness sake who who on earth is coming by at this time and it's a man selling mops and he's like oh I would love to introduce you to the super splash 19 and you're like oh my gosh don't even need a mop but come on in because you don't want to be you don't want to offend him and in he comes and before you know it he's got all these mops out on your living room floor he's got a glass of wine and a plate of chips and you're like how on earth did I get to this place with this man in my house? <laughs> and I think, you know, often this is what happens with with these thoughts that pop along. We're like, come on in, tell me more. It gets our attention because it's, you know, it's saying, I will save you from bad feelings if you go through this worst case scenario with with me right now. And it's, you know, suddenly we turn something that was meant to be a black and white static image into like this full color theater with like fancy dress and it just and we feel all the feelings and actually you know another scenario is that is that that mop man comes along rings on the doorbell and you go over and you're like oh no we're fine thank you but have a nice evening and you shut the door Mm. you know we can't we can't control what pops into our mind but we we can control we we do have the ability to control how much headspace we give it yeah I, I think that those are very wise words And there's probably a lot of people out there that, yeah. In fact, I would go as far as saying everybody who's listening has at some point experienced that type of scenario and the shoulds and everything we've just been speaking about. And what about the uh, one thing I've been very interested in recently is the physiological responses as well. So obviously we need to find space. We need to focus on the internal voice in our head, that dialogue, everything, and the ants. But what about physical signs of anxiety as well? So I like to think of a caveman. He's there, he's with his family, they've got the fire on, and then suddenly he hears this bear roar. And his whole body, it's like drinking 18 espressos in one go. You know, this thing happens in his body where he's just filled with adrenaline and cortisol, and he's poised and ready to go. And his his 
you know, his pupils dilate so that he can see better. Sometimes, you know, your stomach might literally empty when you feel really anxious. It's just a way of your body priming itself to not be full so that you can move quicker. Heart rate increases, breathing rate increases, and all of this happens so that he can be moved to fight a bear or to grab his family and flee. And this is what happens in our body, but often it's not a bear, it's not a monster under the bed, it's a thought, it's just this little thought that pops in, it's that ant that kind of scuttles by and it might not be a life-threatening situation but we grab this ant and we turn it into this bigger thing and then our body starts getting the 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 understanding that it's there's we're a threat, you know, mm-hmm. but And then this whole system fires up and then we start feeling those physiological effects of anxiety that can feel like someone's on your chest, you can't breathe right, you're hypervigilant and hypersensitive and hyperaware. And and if that continues, it might then move into panic attack. And that's a very normal physiological response to a fear trigger, to a threat. But we often do not need this response. I um I remember a couple of years ago, my husband was late from home, from work, and I was expecting him to come in on the train. We live about an hour and a half away from London, and he wasn't picking up his phone. So I was lying there, and I started thinking, oh, my goodness, he's been in a terrorist attack. Oh, my goodness, how the heck am I going to explain to the children? Am I going to have to move in with my parents? Who's going to help me with the funeral? And before I knew it, I was in this I was in this state I was everything was heightened my my pulse rate had gone up you know Mm -hmm. I I literally was feeling spikes of grief and sadness and fear and it all come from that one thought and the important thing is is that there is something we can do to turn off that nervous system response Mm -hmm. and it's breathing breathing is so powerful because it enables us if we we get into this spiral don't we we think of something that we think of a fear, then our body gets involved and then it feels more fearful. So we think about it more. And before we know it, we're in an absolute state. And there was no way that I was going to fall asleep. He walked in like an hour later, his phone had run out of battery. And he was like, "Um, why are you still awake? I was like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. (laughs) And it it just shows how powerful these things are, but also how much anxiety robs us of enjoyment and peace and rest and headspace and the breath is like the most powerful free tool that we have to our disposal it's so true I I can only relate in that sense to being a new mum at the moment and that catastrophizing circle of one thing leading to another and then the worry spiraling like you said and you feel sweaty and you're panicking the constant daily and I know you understand this and anyone anyone listening or perhaps someone's got exams coming up or we've all got stressful things in our lives but being a mum for me it's hard to control the worry so for instance my son um at the time we're recording this has a rash that's appeared all down his stomach and it looks very painful and then first of all you start worrying and getting anxious that it's something you've done um, how on earth do you seek help? What do you do? Where do you start? You know, and then you start thinking of all the worst case scenarios. Oh, he must have an allergy. It must be something I've been eating. And then it just spirals. So breathing, like you said, can bring you back to thinking a bit more clearly, I think. And 
how do you or how have you found that motherhood let's use motherhood as an example can be a positive experience if if it's full of constant worry so anyone's life that's full of worry how do we get it positive (laughs) I think with with situations like this and health anxiety is so common for mums because when we have a baby oh my goodness it's like having your heart outside your body and love loving feels like a really vulnerable thing to do before loving my husband felt like quite an enjoyable thing to do and suddenly loving my baby just having this little person that I value so much just feels like an incredibly risky thing to do in this world where yeah there is so much out of our control and we know bad things happen and loving can feel very vulnerable and very scary and I um, you know, there are times when I cuddle my children and I think, man, I just love you. And there are times that I cuddle them and it looks the same. But in my head, I'm thinking, man, I am so scared to lose you. And I think it's how can we find a way for those cuddles, for that enjoyment to be about that love and not about that fear, to be about that holding out of love and not holding out of I just am scared to let mm-hmm. to let you go out into this world and I think it's there are numerous things number one is being kind and compassionate to ourselves I think we're so harsh you know it's a massive shift having children having a baby being responsible and just our lives just look different don't they so we need compassion yeah. for ourselves our standards need to change our our resources are challenged we're often tired and a bit more hormonal and all of those things play into our challenge our ability to rationalize our thoughts so it's also really understandable that anxiety increases at this time but finding ways to stop those whirlwind of thoughts those overthinking so for example with your fear you know with your concern about this rash it's like looking Mm -hmm. at the facts you know you know you can monitor it you can speak to your doctor maybe send an image like over I know that actual appointments are hard but there's a lot of emailing going on with doctor surgery so but you know there are those are the facts those are the things and then everything else around it just recognize when we're telling stories about the future hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You know, recognize when our brains are running ahead at 100 miles an hour into something that hasn't even happened and we feel those feelings. We feel, you know, mm. echoes of fear and loss and grief and it just takes away, doesn't it? It's just, it just saps our energy. It really does. It feels like you're in a kind of an ever-ending hole and and you're right, this rationalizing helps. And I think that's also why things like social media, just going off from motherhood to social media as, as this is obviously um, something that everybody now is having to face, I think. Um, people get stuck in what I call this virtual vortex, I think. Mm-hmm. And, particularly online on Instagram platforms. Um, I think the comparison and this lack of self-belief, it's it's unbelievable. And then you, you don't really rationalize what's happening because you see these perfect little screenshots, but you have to rationalize, well, that's a screenshot of somebody's life or day, don't you? Rather than thinking, well, this is what they're like 24-7. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's... It's always really important to remember that we view social media through the lens of our mood and we're looking, we're looking, we don't like to be wrong about ourselves. So if we think we're rubbish, we think we're doing a bad job, we, we, we think there's an area of our life that we're failing in, we go there for reassurance, but we also don't like to be wrong. So we kind of also want to, we want it to be proved, proven what we think, you know, it's almost that sometimes if we're feeling like we're failing and we're going on and we're looking at everything through that lens, we just get confirmation. Completely. You know, and it's, we're drawn it's, to those things. We are, but it's like a moth to the flame. That's the phrase they use, don't they? In fact, when I said that, I keep thinking of this one scene in The Bug's Life. Have you seen Disney's Pixar's? Oh, gosh. Yeah, years ago. I yeah. I watched it, that with my kids. Oh, see, this is just it. I started when I was pregnant at the end watching loads of Disney films again. And there's this one scene where they're like, don't go to the light. And there's a fly and it just is drawn straight to the light and it just electrocutes itself. And it's like as human beings, we are wired to to compare to do this and that's why it's so important we have a dialogue in our heads but like we said earlier we just don't give ourselves space to have the dialogue to even tell ourselves we might be being a bit irrational at this point in time yeah and it's harder it is harder to do that when we are tired and challenged and stressed Mm -hmm. and we are so many of those things right now I think we even though many of us have found a new weird normal in lockdown we're still in a time of massive challenge and change and stress so our ability to rationalize things we need to be kind to ourselves in that but Also, yeah, monitor how much we're using social media, monitor how we feel before we do it and how we feel afterwards. And if our sense of self-worth is low, we're going to be viewing it through that lens. We're going to be more drawn to comparison. Whereas if we can work on our internal dialogue and we can work on our self-care in the non-cheesy ways, you know, it, it increases our understanding of how okay we are. So we're yeah. far less likely to look outside of ourselves for confirmation or reassurance. And we know that even if we find have a moment where we feel reassured, we might go on social media or speak to a friend and we're like, oh, you know what, actually, I'm not doing too badly. 
that yeah. lasts how long until something else come you know until we feel differently again and it's like a quick fix because yeah. it's never really getting to the root of the issue like it's do you know what if we get to the end of our to-do list then we'll finally be able to get to rest <laughs> but if we if we look at it like that we'll never get to the end we'll never be worthy of rest it's it's just where we are what are we measuring ourselves against yeah that's just it what scale are we measuring and one thing that I found in in lockdown I mean it obviously we said we found a new norm most people have but it's still really really tough and it's very stressful for people at the moment and if you're I mean I found it hard to uh, video call people at first I found which is strange because obviously I do insta stories on my social media but for some reason video calling people just felt very difficult for me at the beginning and it's something I've had to adjust to um I almost feel a bit uncomfortable it's it's really strange it's a complete new way of um interacting with people and I guess for people in workplace environments it's been so interesting because my husband's been working from home now which is a big relief he hasn't been going into the into town in London obviously getting on public transport but because we live in a small flat and we've got a shared living room which is also a kitchen and is my workspace and my baby's space and my space and his workspace I'm hearing him on the phone 24-7 or on video work calls constantly and how do you think companies can support or I don't know maybe have a word with their staff that obviously this is a stressful situation at the moment managing managing work during a covid environment. Yeah, I think it's that that acknowledgement that this when you employ people it, it's it's a holistic it's a holistic thing isn't it and actually it's far more than just paying someone it's actually about understanding their work situations and they the the context under which they're working and the the other pressures and maybe just having conversations individually with people to know what their working environment is at home and what other pressures might be upon them that would be impacting their ability to work but also maybe impacting work on their wider life mm-hmm. and that's what those are the conversations I think are so important it's so easy just to look at logistics it's so easy to just think well you've got the internet you've got you yeah. know you're replying to your emails so you must be okay it's the assumptions that we draw and the the way that we fill in the gaps amidst those and having those conversations just really briefly even it doesn't need to be kind of long and in depth but just an acknowledgement that that work is a part of that person's life not the entirety of that person's life and how those jigsaws, the jigsaw pieces may or may not be fitting together. And sometimes even just having that questioned and acknowledged can make people feel cared for and considered. And that in itself affects our our focus on work. If we know that we are being acknowledged and considered and that our boss has taken the time to say, you know, what what is your situation at home? Where are you working from? What's going on around you? What you have to juggle? You should be up there telling people, because I don't feel the government or anybody's really addressing this side of things. You should be up there saying, well, if all employers could just check in with their staff, you know, the little things you're saying right now. I think, like you said, there's somebody acknowledging the situation is a comfort isn't it complete comfort and would you say routine as well is also a good way of easing the anxiety maybe in the pressure do you know what I think I see how much my children thrive in routine they're one three and five and when routine is off it it just is a bit destabilizing for them and it just reminds me how 
important routine is for us as adults as well and that even if you know our routines look completely different to how they did a few months ago but if there are elements of our routine that we can keep there you know like just even getting up and dressed and putting something different on in the morning and you know just instilling some whether it's self-care, whether it's a bit of meditation or a bit of an exercise or just making sure that you get outside once a day if you can, if it's safe to do so. it's It just gives us a framework. It gives us those moments of grounding. It's just really reassuring. And we like, we're creatures of habit. Mm. We like familiarity, even though there's often this childish part of ourselves at the beginning of lockdown or as we get deeper into it, where we're like, oh, for goodness sake, I'm not going to bother doing this. I'm not going to bother doing that. But we know ultimately that it gives us so much when we do have consistency in certain habits I couldn't agree more one of the best pieces of advice I was I was given um actually isn't relating to lockdown but worked quite well was when I was pregnant one on Instagram somebody messaged me and said just a little tip and I really appreciate these lovely messages someone said even if you're knackered and you've had no sleep all night just shower just get up shower and start your day because otherwise you don't have that kind of routine and I've religiously made sure that even on the awful awful nights because <laughs> they're up and down yeah. as you know with with your three it's really helped and we are creatures of habit we, we do need that and I could ask you so many questions Anna forever and forever but I need to take some from from the audience um so I've selected I've got five here so Joe has said I manage a small team and wonder how I can help create a more mentally healthy workplace for them. Mm. I think, again, it's just that acknowledgement and that questioning of how you're getting on. You know, what is your work situation? How does how does this big jigsaw piece of work fit into other areas of your life that that give you purpose and give you meaning and give you enjoyment? Because even in that acknowledgement, it's a sense of feeling valued and a sense of feeling heard. But I think, yeah, just just understanding how those jigsaw pieces fit together yeah. is just a way of opening up that conversation. And then you feel valued and confident then maybe to to say, to come forward and, and share other insights or thoughts about work or thoughts about how something could be improved, maybe. So it opens up conversation. And I think that's it. A lot of people just don't even feel able to have those conversations or they feel fearful as to response. But if if a lovely boss can facilitate some of those conversations, mm -hmm. it, it's much more approachable for other times as well. Oh, I know. I think that's that's wonderful advice. Like we said, definitely conversation is key. And Harry has said, how can I check? This is interesting. How high or low my anxiety is? How much is it impacting on your day? How much of your headspace is it taking up? How fearful do you feel? You know, when you're when you're in a situation which may previously have been really enjoyable, how much of that has been tainted by fear of something going wrong? And I think that's it. We are we are worth so much more than to live our lives with an undercurrent of fear and I would say to people if you're even asking that question as to whether my anxiety is impacting me you deserve to get support you deserve to get some tips some thoughts some insight because anxiety doesn't need to rob us of things these these cycles of overthinking they don't need to be keeping us awake at night they just do not need to and that's why I love working with anxiety so much is that there is so much hope and so much change and so much space that can be made back in people's minds and the ability to enjoy the enjoyable and feel peaceful 
where fear has been so if you're asking that question get some tips that's what I say that's a lot yeah very true and things that impact you every day it doesn't have to be that day I think it's so important to um to reiterate that things can get better sometimes as well and Laura um in terms of things getting better has asked I suffer with anxiety and I'm concerned that this is developing into postpartum depression how do I know this for sure I think again with depression it's often have a little look back to before you felt this way and you were able to do the things that made you you the things that you enjoyed to connect with people to laugh how much of that has changed and again it I think often we think well how many boxes do I tick how many boxes do I need to tick before I get support you deserve support now you deserve insight now so I always say to people if you're even asking these questions take that step because it might be that it stops things getting worse. It might be that you can get support so that things don't progress further. And we're, we're so, we're worth that. Yeah, completely. Um, On to a, oh gosh, a question that I think everyone can kind of relate to be a friend that experiences this, not just um, a husband. So Emily has said, my husband has a horrible boss and often comes home demoralized. How can I make him feel better about himself? I think in these situations, there's two levels and there. Number one, is this a healthy working environment for him? And what might be done to change this? Maybe there are difficult conversations that need to be had with management higher up to address that dynamic because you're probably not the only one. And actually, it might have been discussed before. But then the other thing is to really help him separate out what is him and what is his boss. Because often in these situations, it's pe- people are cruel to others because of their own dysfunction their own pain or their own confusion or envy or whatever it may be so helping him separate out what do you know of yourself and who you are and how you work and where your skills are and what's the feedback that you get from people that really know you and now let's separate that out from what how you're feeling in response to how your boss is treating you because I think often when we come away feeling so demoralized and impacted by people's treatment it's because there's a bit of us that thinks wow maybe maybe I deserve that maybe maybe that is true so doing that taking that time just to separate things out even if it's literally writing it down in black and white so that he knows it's not him and who he is yeah I think that could be helpful oh I think that's so helpful it also relates in a way to um, I wasn't going to raise this on this particular episode but I think trolling and things online I know I experience it and um, I think everybody to some degree now unfortunately does experience online bullying and you just have to remember that for someone to go out of their way on their day to write things about you or to to be unkind it is because unfortunately in themselves like you said Anna that they're just not quite happy or in a good place so it definitely does help to to speak to your true friends or the people in your support network at the last question I wrote down because I thought it was quite interesting because I think people are always looking for an answer like this um uh, so Anna, Hannah has said, what should I eat when I feel stressed? Oh, there's there's what do we want to eat and what yeah, should we eat? And I think often these things are all statements of worth. All of our behavior, it feeds back into our worth and it can it can impact our understanding of our worth positively if we're doing something that respects our feelings and our bodies, or it can it can tell us that the opposite 
you know, it can be disrespecting that part of us that just needs to be looked after and cared for. And I think it's, there's a crossroad in that moment. You know, when I'm feeling low and I'm feeling like I'm not feeling great about myself or I'm feeling stressed, what decision am I going to make? Am I going to make something for myself that is actually a statement of worth, that regardless of how I feel, I am worthy of something good and something healthy and something that isn't going to send me into a sugar crash mm. or a, you know, or a caffeine crash, which is actually, it makes anxiety worse because it's, it's, it puts your body in that state of some of the similar symptoms of like raised heart rate and raised alertness. So it can really blur the lines and it, but also, or, or am I just going to quickly have something that makes me feel better in this moment that I know I might feel a bit ugh afterwards, you know, after this pack of biscuits. And it's just taking taking that question as a bit of a crossroads of, am I going to feed this feeling? Or am I going to give myself a different message that I may not believe what I'm worth? Exactly. Or is it a fact? that that Like you've just said, sorry to interject there, but a lot of people have problems with food guilt um, related to stress or emotional eating which we see in the retrition clinic and sometimes there is a place for eating those items and it's okay but it's how you feel about it and how you react to it so like Anna said straight away Hannah she didn't say well you should eat uh, bro- broccoli when you're stressed or you, you shouldn't eat chocolate it's more about addressing the underlying issues um which is why food is very complex and isn't going to be a cure for anything directly. But this does take me on to my favourite part, which is our fact or fiction round, Anna. So, are you ready? Oh, I don't know. Yes, I think so. (laughs) Okay, well, if you could answer, um, I'm hoping that's a good yes. Fact or fiction to the following questions. Here we go. Taking deep breaths can quickly fix anxiety. Oh gosh, it's so complex, isn't it? Because it yeah. helps. I'll say, I'll say fact because it can it, it can help with the physiological effects in there that moment. Go. Yes, <laughs> well answered. Um, alcohol helps to ease anxiety. Well, it's fiction. It, it actually can make it worse, but it certainly feels like it anesthetizes it. Anesthetizes some of those feelings in that very moment I love that placebo yeah definitely being worried about everything as a mother is normal it's very common but it doesn't need to be your normal I'm very pedantic aren't I I love it it's very common to worry about everything but it doesn't need to be your normal brilliant anxiety is something that you can just get rid of entirely fiction we will always have anxious thoughts it's a it's a way of processing risk responsibility but they don't need to take over they don't need to make us live in fear brilliant women aren't twice as likely to suffer from anxiety than men I don't know I'm not actually sure I think maybe we're just more aware of it or it's more acceptable for us to worry because we think that that's what love is the more we worry the more we we love <laughs> we talk about it more as well yeah i'm so annoying no, it's, it's not brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> um suffering from anxiety is linked to your genetics both both, both. we're gonna call that faction 
We're going to do a faction answer for that one. Faction, um, I like that. Faction, <laughs> I'd probably say faction to all of these. I'm a woman of too many words. Yeah. <laughs> Stress, depression or anxiety accounts for 54% of all working days lost in the UK. I wouldn't be surprised if it was more in reality, but I guess maybe that's a fact. Mm. Therapy for anxiety takes years to recover from. Fiction. There's so much. Yeah, I can imagine that that was a fiction. Um, People with anxiety can just snap out of it if they really wanted to. Fiction. But there is a lot that can help. Yeah. If your child is scared about something, you should force them to do it to ease their fears. Fiction. Yay! That's the end of the fact or fiction. (laughs) Wasn't so so scary. No, but it's so tough, isn't it? Because as you know, things are complicated. And I think that's how I'm going to wrap up this episode um, by finishing with our food for thought today. And I think mine would be just from going by that excellent fact or fiction round with Anna, that things are not black and white and everybody is so unique. But of course, it's important that we have these discussions because around one in four people in the UK do experience a mental health problem each year. And the biggest one seems to be anxiety. And it's clearly becoming more prevalent and young people are experiencing it more and more. So something really does have to be done. And that's why this conversation today, I think, has been so insightful. And I really hope it helps so many of you because you don't need to suffer alone with with anxiety or let these feelings or those ants, like we said earlier, manifest. You want to well, we would like you to speak out about it and don't be scared to seek help. And Anna, if we can get some more words of wisdom for you and you could leave our listeners with one final food for thought today, what what would that be? My my thought would be that no one is alone in anxiety. It is so common, but the level that you experience it at does not need to be your normal. We can't control the thoughts that we have, but we can certainly get some tips and insight that will enable us to get some of our headspace back and we are all absolutely worth regardless of what we understand of our worth we are worth living our lives not to the background buzz of fear wow oh I love that the background buzz yes Anna thank you I mean I feel like again this episode could have been much much longer there was so much to ask you um if our listeners need to find anything else out about you or they're looking for some help where where can we point them to so my Instagram page has got lots of things on there and for the postnatal anxiety that we've discussed I've got a book recently called Mind Over Mother that that explores it in depth and I've got a little 10 minute podcast series called the therapy edit but also just there are lots of resources online and speak with your GP if there are any concerns at all because it was so deserving of getting support and insight and there is so much of it out there for you now which is brilliant oh Anna thank you so much for coming on food for thought today thank you for having me it's been a real honor thank you If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do, if you have the time, leave a five-star review. It does help this podcast get out there. We want to be able to reach more people, help more people, and maybe even perhaps reach higher highs in the charts. 
For more information about my Retrition Clinic books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com. And you can always follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 